I was scrolling through my tweets um, just this past uh, Friday night, looking to see uh, what people were saying about the Son of God movie. Has anyone seen that yet? Uh, well, I don't want to provide a spoiler. Um, that was kind of a joke. <laughs> Yeah, read the book. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. It, it's our, we're an hour early, so uh, that's probably what it is. Uh, but I was just looking through, and some of the uh, tweets were uh, for it and saying it was a really good movie, and some were saying, you know, just kind of the same old Jesus movie. Uh, but one of them caught my eye, and it, it asked the question, are we making Jesus too sexy? And I thought, well, that is uh, an interesting, uh, interesting thing in light of, uh, I've just seen the trailer for the movie, and it is a, a handsome Jesus, and pretty much every Jesus movie, you have uh, a pretty good-looking Jesus, I think. And uh, I, I guess in this one in particular, there is some concern about how we are uh, portraying Jesus, how we see Jesus. And it's a great reminder that we all see Jesus in different ways, don't we? especially since we were not eyewitnesses to Jesus. We didn't get to live during that time, and we weren't uh, uh, privileged enough to be able to have that great opportunity to see him face-to-face -face as they did at that time, uh, although we recognize one day we will. Uh, but we do see him from different perspectives. We see him from different lenses. I remember when I was uh, in a small group one time, and the leader of the small group asked a question that I uh, have used at different times as well. And it's a, a great icebreaker question that gets the group to go deeper in their relationship with one another, but also in relationship with God. And it's the question, when did God become more than a word to you? When did God become more than a word to you? And whoever was leading the group didn't just expect us to answer that real quickly. But as people began to answer, uh, before long, everyone was tearing up, and there were some great, great stories that were shared. In fact, we didn't even get into our Bible study that night. That became our conversation and our discussion. And I can still remember what people said in that group. I can remember uh, the testimonies that they were giving. They just stand out in my mind because it's the power of a story that really gets to our hearts. But it reminds us that we all see Jesus a little bit differently. Jesus appears to us in various ways and at various times, and we learn different things from those experiences. And that's really what was happening in this account of Jesus and the disciples going up on top of this mountain. The first scripture that was read was uh, from Exodus. And if you look back in your Bible or there in your, your bulletin, you will see from Exodus 24, the Lord saying to Moses, come up to me on the mountains and wait there. So there is this journey to go up atop the mountain. And Moses takes him up on that. Moses truly wants to be with God. Moses wants to experience God in, in every possible way. He says, I will give you the tablets of stone with the law, the commandments, and it says, then Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered the mountain, the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh, he called to Moses out of the cloud, and the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain. 
Moses entered the cloud, went up on the mountain. Moses was on it for 40 days and 40 nights. So there was this great epiphanal experience that Moses had on top of the mountain. If you read on in that, he doesn't want it to end. He wants to see God. And we have that whole cleft in the rock experience where God allows him to see where he has actually passed through. The uh, wording there would lead us to think that he actually got to see God but it was that he got to see uh, as God was passing through. Uh, We find the same kind of thing happening in Matthew's gospel with this transfiguration account. In fact, today is Transfiguration Sunday. It's the last Sunday of Epiphany. And I think it's interesting to note that on the first Sunday of Epiphany, uh, we heard from God the affirmation of Jesus as he was getting baptized. And it was that, this is my son, this is my beloved And I am pleased with him. In other words, listen to him and and know of my affirmation that this is the Son of God right in your midst. And so the same thing happens on this mountain with Peter, with James and John as they travel on up the mountain. And we get the idea that they have been on the road. They've been uh, spending so much time together. Jesus has been teaching them these powerful truths and telling these stories and they've seen Jesus work miracles and you know take two uh, loaves of of bread and and fish and be able to multiply them and spread them around for everyone uh, to be able to have something to eat they've seen all of this and I am sure they're tired they've been walking and walking and so the idea is they're gathering at the base of the mountain to get some rest and Jesus comes up to Peter, James, and John, and says, I, y'all come over here. I, I, I want to uh, invite you to do something. We're going to go up this mountain and uh, just have some time together. And so they trek on up the mountain. And as they get to the top of the mountain, that is where they see this wonderful, wonderful sight before them. And Matthew says that this, this took place with Peter, James, and his brother John. And uh, as they went up by themselves, Jesus was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. It was almost a blinding sight. And as they looked up and as they saw Jesus, they saw Moses, and then they saw Elijah. Kind of an interesting thing if you're atop a mountain and you begin to have a vision like this and begin to see all of this before your eyes. But they recognized Moses. We don't get all the details about how they recognize Moses, but they recognized this is the one that, that has provided us with the law. This is uh, you know, the foundation of our, our law and our faith. And, and they understood what the law was all about and how God was directing his people with the law and, and leading them to, uh, to follow him in that way. But they also knew who Elijah was. And if they, as they looked over, and in this painting, uh, you, can, you can see a little bit here uh, of the, the difference. You have uh, Moses and uh, Elijah. There's a, you know, a little different one. You see Mo, uh, Moses with the tablets. And actually, in both of them, you can see that. And then uh, to the side, you see Elijah. Elijah was the prophet. And as they thought about prophecy and all of the things that, that God had been telling them about this Savior, this Messiah, who would come into the world and be able to lead them. Uh, this was something that was prophesied, 
Not only by Elijah, but by others as well. So they, they were seeing uh, Moses and Elijah, but right in the middle, they were seeing Jesus. And Jesus was shining brightly. And God wanted them to understand that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and the fulfillment of prophecy. He is the one who was bringing all of that together in a very special, packaged kind of way. He was God in flesh coming into their world. What an epiphanal moment. As they would have this great awakening on that mountain. As they would begin to think, we've never seen Jesus like this before. And Jesus just, as we've looked at the last several weeks, was teaching about uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, You probably remember uh, all of those phrases. You have heard it said, but I say to you. So in other words, you remember from the law. Or you remember from prophecy, but I say to you, and he kept pointing to himself, kept wanting them to understand that he was indeed the fulfillment of all of that. And so as they are up there, these great things are going on. And we hear that uh, with Peter, James, and, and John up there, it says while he was still speaking, uh, this was God still speaking, uh, Suddenly a bright light overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, or actually Peter was still speaking, make me, let's make some dwellings up here. Let's camp out on top of this mountain for a while. So as he's talking, God interrupts and says, um, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on the ground. They were terrified, as you and I would be, if something like that happened atop a mountain. And so as they were falling down there, Jesus came up, touched them, and said, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself. So you have to really get into that picture, don't you? You have to really enter into that to begin to feel the human emotions of what they were going through, but also what Jesus was going through. We see the humanity of Jesus Christ all throughout this text. But we also see his deity, don't we? And sometimes we don't think about that in the right way. Sometimes we overplay the humanity of Christ and, and we don't ever consider that he was God as well. He, God in human flesh. And sometimes, probably more of the time, we emphasize the God part of Jesus at the expense of his humanity. And we forget that we are Uh, able to identify with the humanity of Christ. Christ came to identify with us in our humanity. But there is this great awakening that is going on on top of this mountain. I wonder, have you ever been on a retreat up in the mountains somewhere? Maybe it wasn't a spiritual retreat per se. Maybe it wasn't a camp or anything in particular. It was just you maybe hiking in the mountains or you just uh, were we're up on a family trip. I am sure if you have been on top of a mountain, then you've had kind of an awakening. There's been an opportunity for you to uh, think about life in a whole different way, to see your life differently, or to see Christ in a different way. We all have those experiences, or we all have the opportunity to have those experiences, don't we? When was the last time 
you had one of those. When was the last time that you saw Jesus in a fresh and very powerful way? Monica reminded us this morning that we can look back in our week and we can see how Jesus has been at work in our life. And I assure you, even if you think he wasn't, he was. But it's a matter of being able to see it, to look and to see what God is is, uh, revealing and unfolding before you. Peter is one of those up on the mountain. And, I, you know, we get the idea Peter is, is over here. Uh, and uh, there's, there are all these emotions that always go into the life of, of Peter. But Peter is looking, and he's trying to understand what's going on here. And we don't get all of, of this other than, hey, let's stay up here a long time. This is great. But in Second Peter, the last scripture that we heard today... Uh, is one that that tells us, after the fact, what he thought. It says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, we weren't making all of this up. And Peter is writing to a group of churches and reminding them of who Jesus was. I mean, here is Peter, an eyewitness. Who better to tell them all about Jesus? And Some of these people, if not most of these people in the church that he's writing to, never had the chance to see Jesus. And so he's saying, this is what it was like, and we're not making it up. We were eyewitnesses up on top of a mountain one day. We had our minds blown by what we saw in Jesus that day. And then we heard this voice, and he repeats this voice, this is my son, uh, my beloved, And he says, so we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. He's referencing Elijah there. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I've been thinking about that phrase all week. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Peter knew that the people that were receiving his letter, this second letter, were in a very dark place. There was not only persecution that was going on in their community where uh, so many of their Christian brothers and sisters were being executed and tortured and uh, persecuted in every way, but also just the discouragement that comes from living in this life. We recognize it's not a perfect world and our lives aren't perfect and that bad things happen sometimes. But they were to know in the midst of whatever dark place they were in that they were to be attentive, to pay attention to the light that was shining all around them. We have that same invitation as well. As we begin Lent, Uh, which starts Ash Wednesday. This coming Wednesday at 5.30, we will gather here in the chapel as we've done the last several years, and uh, we will remember that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. We are reminded that we are to measure our days, and we are to look within our lives, that it really does matter for us to stop and to pay attention to the light of Christ around us. It really does matter that we identify our purpose in life and that we move forward even knowing that there may be dark days ahead that the light shines around us 
How will you do that in the next 40 days? We're going to be talking about that Wednesday night and, and, and some challenges and some things uh, to help us as uh, a body of believers to be able to grow in our faith and to experience the grace and the, the wonderful love of God. But let it be a time like Moses going up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. There are 40 days, 40 nights between now or Wednesday and Easter. Will it be for you a time of being attentive to the light of God? Will it be for you a time of waiting until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts? You see, that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to rise in your heart that you might see that beautiful vision that He has provided you. When I was a, a kid, I, I went to uh, camp every summer, most every summer, in North Carolina. And I uh, would go up there. I think my parents didn't like me because they would send me up there for a month. And uh, the first time it was difficult, uh, being four weeks away and so far from home. Uh, but after that, I looked forward to it every, every time I went. And one of the things that we would do at camp when I was younger, we would all go, this was up in the Smoky Mountains, right outside of Black Mountain, North Carolina, and we would go on a, a hike, a camp out, usually on a Thursday night, and we would take off and go, and it was always such a neat and powerful experience, because we'd gather around the uh, campfire, and we would talk about God, and what we knew about God, and we would the counselor would always teach us about Jesus and how we could see Jesus. And then as I got older and worked there as a counselor and as a camp pastor, uh, it was always a, a special time to be able to lead the kids up in, into those hikes and, and to go up there and spend time. And the kids were, would always bellyache uh, as we were going up the mountain. I mean, it was a kind of a tough hike. You'd have to wear a backpack and put your food in there. And there was always some kid who'd put rocks in somebody else's backpack or Somebody who, we always made these hobo packs. You know about the hobo packs. You get tin foil and put potatoes and meat and cheese and everything in there, and you throw it in the fire, and uh, it's supposed to cook. And it, usually uh, some of the kids would actually start eating it raw before we got up to the top of the mountain, uh, which created other problems. But as we would get up there, even with all the belly aching and everything as we were journeying up the mountain and all the switchbacks and everything, whenever we finally got to the top of the mountain, it seems like the kids forgot all about all the pain and rigor of hiking up to the top. Because when they got there, they would be able to see all of the, the mountains all around them and the valleys and just the sheer beauty of the Smoky Mountains. And it was a spiritual experience for them. And I think for, for all of them, those were spiritual highs for them. They uh, would look back for years to come on the things that God would teach them and show them there. I think the same thing is true with us, whether it's on a literal mountain or just uh, in the, the time that we are invited to participate in these next 40 days. To see something maybe we've never seen before and to be open to what God has to say to us through Jesus. Let's pray.